Hello and welcome back, folks. Rally Caps on episode 18. Today is Tuesday, February 9th, and Killer Tom has done it again. Not to say that we called it, but we definitely called it, right? Nailed it. Nailed it. So um, I, I know that there's still a debate. There's We just saw a ton of articles that are still saying that Mahomes still has a lot to, of catching up to do. I, I think we shouldn't worry about that for another 15 years and see see how he pans out. Because at this point for the next 15 seasons, I don't think there's any kind of debate anymore who the best is. We can obviously switch it off to see who – like. A different debate but right now tom brady is the greatest to ever do it is he the greatest of any sport we might have that debate again here soon that's the only debate that can actually happen now uh between him and maybe five six other people but to me the sport of football being i i mean even though we're baseball guys i still think football is like the national pastime of of the United States right now. For sure. It's, a great, it's the greatest sport we got going and he's the best to ever do it. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but before we dive into the game, we want to talk about a couple of things regarding this week. Today is national pizza day, which I'm very disappointed that that was not advertised to me until like seven o'clock tonight after I already ate dinner. If I would have known this, I would have had a, I would have had a nice pizza sitting there ready for me. What about you? I think the fact that this flew under the radar is one of the true, one of the true travesties of the 21st century. Cause I mean, how, like, can we just replace, I I don't, I don't want to offend anyone, but can we like replace president's day with just can national pizza day, like take its place and like, it should be a holiday from work. And I mean, this, this should be a bigger deal in pizzas today. What? So I, the real question is T Willie, what is the, the pizza of choice for you. What? Tell me, give me a crust, give me toppings. What are, what are we talking? If I get to make the whole thing, um, I'm going with a little bit of a thicker crust, like Chicago or New York style. I like, uh, I like the thickness and then I go as much meat as possible. So I go yes. like sausage, bacon, pepperoni, ham, all the above as I much, like as much as I can, they allow me to put on there. I basically make it like a sandwich. It's like a deli sandwich at the end of it, but, that, that's the way to go for me. Absolutely. Do you have a uh, do you have a favorite pizza spot here in uh, in Phoenix? What's if you had to call out one? Do you have one? Um, I do love Venezia's. Venezia's is solid. Very good. Um, if if you're on the go, Mod Pizza is pretty good. Yep. If you're just running in and out and need something. Uh, other than that, yeah, I, I kind of stay in my lane with pizza. I don't really. It's it. Although it is hard to mess up a pizza, you True. do want to go to your good, the, the place where you know is going to make it just how you like it. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Oh, I got to shout out Rosati's too. Rosati's is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, you know it's 2021. This is all about uh, inclusivity and you know recognizing everyone. And I think pizza, pizza is the people's food because for me, I could go five dollar hot and ready Little Caesars and I'll be. I'll be fired up to eat it. Or I could go like Casanova brothers, like gourmet pizza, something real nice. Like you said, all pizza is good. It truly is. It's the people's food, man. We've got, we've got kind of lower class pizza. We got higher class pizza. We got white pizza. We got brown pizza and it's all good. And I love, I love all the pizza. Pizza would for sure be the food that if we got invaded by aliens and they were like, all right, show us, 
show us your <laughs> your cornerstone meal. Well, we've got to show them pizza, right? Like, I, I think so. I think yeah. so. I mean, you, you can eat it hot. You can eat it cold. You can yeah. put any type of topping on it. I, I really don't even uh, – I don't even know that it's a debate, honestly. I think No, just- yeah, 24-hour food that you can – like, exactly, hot, cold, anything. Yeah. yeah. It's it's the best. So shout out shout out National Pizza Day. Yeah. Uh, hopefully hopefully that Next can become year, a bigger deal. Exactly. Next year you guys need to uh get on my get on my timeline on my Instagram and Twitter and actually let me know about this stuff cuz I will take it seriously if you if you allow me to. Which by the way, this is totally unrelated. Did you see the video making its rounds today of the Zoom call where the guy had the the cat filter on his face? Did you see this? No. So it's a it's a lawyer and he had to do a Zoom call with the judge and he his face gets changed to like an Instagram like cat filter. He's he's like he's like uh yeah, I don't know how to fix it, but uh I just want you to know I'm not a cat. I'm I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I don't I'm know here to declare <laughs> that this girl is innocent. <laughs> right? Right? Meow. <laughs> so I thought that was I, you you have to look that up after the show. That was that was pretty good. That's funny. All right. Yeah, I'll check that out for sure. Um, we'll post that on the IG as well. Uh, tonight, D Rose has made it back to the Mecca, which is pretty cool. I've, I've always been a fan of D Rose. Always loved the way he played. Uh, he had a couple couple down years there. Tons of injuries. Tons of usage. The guy just kind of got beaten down with, with injury and whatnot and pretty much jumped around to almost every team it felt like. And he's finally back in New York with Thibodeau, which uh, my, my warning alarms are, are going off like big time because Thibodeau is known as like the usage king, just making sure every single one of his players plays to their absolute max <laughs> on a Tuesday night when they don't need to win kind of thing. <laughs> yep. So that's, that's the thoughts and from- prayers, thoughts and prayers for D Rose already, but I, I hope he does well there. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh it's it's been good to see him kind of resurrect his career a little bit like part two for a while there it looked like he was just going to be you know out of the league and done um and it seems like he's really grown into kind of like a mentorship role i think for anyone that remembers um derrick rose's mvp season this dude was i mean you want to talk yeah in terms of like he's he's up there in terms of most explosive athletes that i've ever seen so uh you know, but that, that brings up kind of a good point for me, T. Willie. I think uh, a lot of people, there's been a lot of talk about Mahomes and the GOAT stuff. And I think we tend to do this in sports where someone's so good and we just we we just fast forward and assume that it's all going to happen. But, like, I mean, if you would have told me Derrick Rose's career was going to look like this after that MVP season, I mean, who could have seen that yeah. coming? I, another one I think of is the Oklahoma City. Remember when they lost to the Heat and everyone's like, yep. oh, that's okay. Like, they'll be back. They're going to have tons of them. Never made it back um we we see this all the time so i think it's just uh you know just just appreciate the guys where they're at because nothing uh that's a great thing about sports right nothing is nothing is guaranteed other than the fact that thibodeau is going to blow out the rest the remainder of his knees yes which is sad but we can already see that one happening yep um all right so let's get back into the super bowl game i know it wasn't like the game that we were all imagining was going to happen but, but like being a shootout or having in, in insane plays or anything it was pretty pretty vanilla for the most part i um i definitely noted there was a couple couple plays that like really changed the trajectory of the game that were pretty early 
uh, Mahomes. So they were, it was, it was seven, three Tampa and they kind of got pinned deep and uh, the cheese Mahomes scrambles unreal play gets out of there, throws it to Kelsey and Kelsey just bricks one uh, on third down. And that would have got him to like the mid thirties and kind of got him out of their, out of their own red, red zone, you know? Yep. And then they punted it. He booms the punt and then they get like a, I want to say like a holding or I, I can't remember the penalty, but it gets called back. So they have to repunt it. And then the guy just shanks it out of bounds at like the 35. And that was a massive, massive play. And I know it's not, not one of those like fancy ones that we can all ooh and awe about and say, Oh, that was like, that was the turning point. But as dull as it was, that was technically the turning point of that game. Cause once they went up 14, three, it was, it was off to the races from there. And yeah, we, I, I think we were just talking about this before. We don't realize how much impact those, those linemen being out were going to have. The first play of the game, Mahomes gets ambushed, and you could tell he was not used to not having that much time, and he yep. was just like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to be running, like, all night. And yeah. he did. He, he ran over 490 yards behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> That's incredible. Isn't that insane? Yeah. No, definitely. They, they missed the linemen. That's one of those things where I feel like uh, it's cliche for like old school football guy to be like, you know, the game's won and lost in the trenches. And, and we've kind of gotten away with that with the advent of these quarterbacks and how great they are. But this just goes to show you, uh, I mean, it's, I think it's, you could argue it's, it's, it's just as important because the court, because the quarterback is the focal point of the offense. Now you have to protect those guys. And it sucks that the chiefs weren't healthy there. Um, you know, I, I would have been – I was looking forward to seeing Mahomes at his best, battling it out with Brady. But, uh, yeah, they were just – I mean, they were they were outgunned. And credit – you know, credit to the Bucks. They have a big-time pass rush, and they've been they've been pressuring yes. guys all year. They they built that. And it, it's funny, too. Like, if you look statistically – I went back and looked at it. The Bucks, like, <laughs> the revisionist history that's going on right now is, is crazy. The Bucks had an incredible defense last year. Yeah. They just – their quarterback threw 30 interceptions. <laughs> Like, I mean, yeah. like they had a really good, they had a really good defense and they had the same, you know, the same coordinators last year as they did this year. I know that's getting like ESPN is just taking that and running with it. The, the, you know, the two black coordinators, which shout out to those guys, they did an awesome job, but I mean, factually they had the same coordinators last year too. The difference is yes. the difference this year was they had a lot more, they had Tom Brady and they added pieces uh, on the offense for sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, it sucked to your point. It sucked. Uh, it sucked seeing the chiefs so beat up uh, on the offensive line. It, it really, uh, you know, I mean, I think this game would have looked a lot different if they were, if they were healthy for sure. For sure. And like you mentioned, Todd Bowles, man, what an adjustment that he made by shutting down Tyreek Hill. Yep. Just not letting yep. him get loose. Uh, Winfield, you could tell was ready for that matchup. Yes. And he won big time. So I think it's good to watch a like an elite receiver like a Hill or an Adams or a like Hopkins kind of get like worked a little bit by a DB, especially with today's rules and stuff. No, knowing that there's very limited contact and it's really hard to guard a guy who can who has like tools and talent like those guys do. Yeah. So I was super impressed by that, and sure. I, I know it wasn't like he wasn't the biggest name 
as far as the coaching carousel goes. But I mean, I think Todd Bowles is probably like a struggling team's best answer, you know, as, as far as being able to turn their team around. But if, if I'm Bowles, I'm not going anywhere. I, I, I'm riding with my boys and I'm sticking, sticking with what I've got. Cause it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I would say the same thing for B enemy too. Like, why would you want to go somewhere else when you know you might be able to get the reins of the Chiefs with Mahomes and 10 more years to play? Yeah. Yeah, which, for, for sure. Which seems a lot better than trying to coach the Jets to a winning record or something. Definitely. And I, hopefully those guys are being, especially with the enemy, hopefully he's being super selective in terms of, I, I get, on one hand, I understand there's only 32 of those jobs and you never know when you're going to get an opportunity. So I get it. I don't blame these guys when they go take these bad jobs, but like you hit the nail on the head, man. If you're going into the jets, I mean, realistically, what are the odds of succeeding at like you have a terrible Low. organization, you have a terrible roster. It's a bad cap situation. Like that. I mean, it's such, it's such a massive, you might be a great coach and you're still, you're fighting such an uphill battle. I, if I were those guys, bulls and the enemy specifically, I would be very selective about, um getting the right opportunity and stick i mean you're in a great position as a coordinator who knows like you mentioned both reed and arians are up there in age so maybe they they kind of have a plan in place to become the successors but yeah i mean todd, todd bulls did a did an awesome job that that tampa bay defense is really really good yeah really really good and they're young too yeah yeah for sure so yeah i mean jpp was all over the place too which that guy is like a fine wine, man. He gets better year over year. Fingers sure, or no sure. fingers. Like, he is just the absolute man. Well, you, and, look at, you look at the talent that Tampa Bay has on that side of the ball, right? Like, I feel like it kind of went – it picked up lately, but people haven't been talking because they, they, there's so much focus on the weapons, right, offensively. But, yep. I mean, Shaq Barrett, JPP, Sue, Devin White, Winfield, like – I mean, those are some big time names, big time players on that side of the ball. Yeah. So, Devin White runs a four four and he can yeah. basically guard anybody on the field and he's two hundred and forty five pounds. So he's a bad man. <laughs> yeah. He sure. was he's legit. Um it makes me want to take back uh earlier earlier probably I wanna say like right before the playoffs started or right as we we're getting into the playoffs, I basically said Mahomes is going to be able to do this with any kind of team because the formula is pretty simple. They have all you have to do is get speed around him. And which also, I mean, if, if we go back and, and say, if those guys catch the ball when they needed to, when he was making some of the most unreal throws we've ever seen, by the way, that throw that he threw when he was like completely like a foot off the ground and his like elbow was the closest thing to the ground when he threw that ball <laughs> and hit the guy in the hands was that the greatest incomplete pass of all time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like there wasn't really a thought about it. Like, yes, that was yeah. the sickest throw I've ever seen. Yeah. So I, I do, do want to take that back though, because you're going to need to build a line around him. I, I think the receivers, they're going to be a little bit more interchangeable, but you still need to give him a little bit of time so he can do that kind of stuff. Obviously he's great on the great sneaking running around. Uh, just he takes angles and like goes directions that I would never expect a quarterback to go. And somehow like, obviously the defense isn't thinking that either. Cause he just finds himself wide open again with a, with like rooms to throw. And he's, 
he's probably the best I've ever seen at being able to like that and move like between defenders. Yeah, he's he's incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean he's incredible, but he he needs uh, he needs protection. I mean them losing Fisher, and I know they had some other injuries. I think if those guys are healthy, it's a different. It, it's not like they don't have anybody any good linemen. It's just they had guys playing out of position. Right. Obviously, anytime you lose your your left tackle, like right before the Super Bowl, that's not ideal. So, yeah, Mahomes. In summary, Mahomes is great, and I think that's kind of my takeaway from this. Like. Let's just appreciate it for what it is, right? I mean, Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl. It, that's unreal. It's tremendous. Like, at this point, anybody who's got anything to say about that, I just – I honestly – I mean, not to be harsh, but I really don't respect you or your sports takes because you're kind of just – I mean, this is the guy that just reads all the facts and then just decides the other thing. Uh, and then for Mahomes, you know, like Mahomes is a generational talent. He's, he's – that throw you were talking about – the way he moves in the pocket, the arm angles he uses, the way the ball comes out of his hand. He's like nothing we've ever seen. And I'm, I'm excited to hopefully watch him play for the next, for the next 15 years, but like, let's let him play his career. We don't need to worry about the, all this Patrick Mahomes talk, talk yeah. right now is just so, which I get, like, you got to fill, you got to fill the air, but it's not even a, it, it's just pointless right now. I mean, he's in his fourth season, like guys, he's in his fourth season, his third season as a starter. Like we can just pump the brakes, just chill out. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. Like maybe he will be, I don't know, but he's not right now and that's okay. It just means he needs to play a little bit more. Yeah. I wish, I wish Tom would do like a title tour for every team that like hasn't won it yet. You know, like (laughs) there's, so there's 12 teams that have not won a title yet. And I'm looking through this list, and it's I'll just rattle them off real quick. Vikings, Bills, Bengals, Panthers, Falcons, Chargers, Titans, Cardinals, Browns, Lions, Texans, and Jags. The team that I think, sticks out to me there is the Vikings. If they were to get yes. Tom Brady. Well, I think, I think he can win it on four of these teams next year. I think he would win on Minnesota. I think he would win at Buffalo. I think he would win at... Honestly, I think he could take the Chargers to the Super Bowl at least. And the Titans too. I mean, so like Tom Brady and Derrick Henry, like that'd be nice. That would be pretty sick. And the Browns, probably not. Texans, Lions, Jags, not next year, but I mean, I bet he'd take all these teams to the playoffs. Yeah, it's yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll never know. I mean, that those organizations would it's not too late, Tom. <laughs> yeah, what he's what he's doing, it's just it's it's honestly just really cool, man. And I think like I don't think we can overstate it. I mean, he's he's 43. He's 40, he's 43 years old. <laughs> I, I mean, it's 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 in, it's insane. And you know what? Like, I feel like over the past few years, a lot of people have really uh like it was a big controversy with his uh his like body coach, uh Guerrero or whatever in uh yeah, Guerrero. In New England and like the strength staff and medical staff didn't like him and all this stuff, but you know what? I mean, it's working. I, I like me we can, show me another 43 year old who can do anything close. We can talk crap about Tom being super pliable and working on his pliability. But I mean, at this point I want to learn more about the pliability to, like I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm now in on the pliability. like exactly. <laughs> so no, definitely. I mean, and, and you know what, what about T Willie? What about this? What do you think? Do you think Bill Belichick watched the Super Bowl, first of all? Um, 
Yeah, probably. And what what do you think is going through his mind as he's watching that? Oh man, this uh, this really fucking sucks. Tom. Yeah, sucks we probably should have re-signed this guy. <laughs> like he he would have been better than Cameron. <laughs> so for Bill Belichick, man, that that's it's a tough uh it's a tough year, man. And uh, there's a lot of people not to beat the drum again, but all year long people been telling me Tom Brady was a system quarterback, and you know well, Bill Belichick won him those titles. Well. Here you go, folks. Tom Brady, Super Bowl champ, and and the Patriots did not make the playoffs. Especially halfway through the season, because the Patriots were like five and three, and the Bucks were only five and three. Yep. And they were like, oh, this is this is gonna be Patriots all the way. They're gonna go way further than these guys are. Tom's toast. Like as soon as he yep. lost to Chicago, they were like, Oh no, he's done. Yep. But yeah, I mean that that swung its ugly head pretty quickly. I uh I also needed to mention that I actually took the prop of will a fan run onto the field plus oh. 700. That was like the highlight of the game for me. As Let's soon as that go. guy came, as soon as that guy came across the field and I won a hundred bucks on it. If I, uh, if that guy will DM rally caps on podcast, I will, I will Venmo you a chunk of that, sir. Did you see the story that apparently he, him and a buddy placed a $50,000 wager on that? I did see that. Do you buy that or no? Uh, I want to, but but no, I I I don't think so. I mean, yeah, if, I if he did, that's genius. Yeah, that's legendary. I was I was in a group chat with some guys, and I was just like, "Yo, if we pull together like a hundred grand, then shit, I'll go do it next year." Right? Yeah. Seriously. Seriously, there's got to be. See, Willie, we we really got to spend some time thinking about this. Like how there's got to be some ways we can we can like hack the system on on some of these like prop bets. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I, like, like ask a guy, um, like, I, I mean, asking a guy to fumble is like pretty, pretty questionable. That That's like next level stuff, but th- there's gotta yeah, be, there's gotta be some that we can, we, we got to scalp these props <laughs> and figure out how to, uh, how to get him in on it without the guy having to like affect his team and the sure. results or, or like sure. his own job. But well, I still like, I still like our idea from before they're like, we definitely should be able to to uh, bribe an a uh, an equipment manager to at least do the Gatorade color. I mean, yeah, the Gatorade blue. It was yeah. blue. I couldn't believe it. That was very surprising. Very surprising. Do you yeah. know who 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 ended up winning more of the prop bets that we did between us two? Do you know? It came down to a couple cents, but you won. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you beat me by I think the payout was like four dollars and like thirty-five cents to like three ninety-five or something. Oh wow. Okay. So I, I was just doing dollar bets on each one. All right. So I massacred you basically. Crushed me. Nice. Nice. Okay. All right. Yeah. Tom Brady right. wins again. Kind of a blowout. Mahomes needs offensive line help. Uh and now we're into NFL offseason. Yep. So we got quarterback carousel going, right? Deshaun Watson wants to be traded. They say they're not trading him. Uh, we don't they know. Have to. Right? I mean, let, let's 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 hit on that real quick, do Willie? I mean, so the Texans have come out several times now and said that they're not trading Deshaun Watson. Um, they're going to trade him, right? I feel. I mean, yeah. I guess they're going to have to play roulette with themselves. Like, is 
are you banking on the fact that Watson is just going to shut up and play or, or do you, and do you think he's going to actually like attempt to win the game for it? Like to win games for you, if he's that un- unhappy with right. how his whole situation, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And you can, you can still rebuild. Obviously getting rid of Watson is probably the hardest thing to do as a GM or an owner realizing you're, you're handing away me probably one of the most talented quarterbacks of our generation. But at the same time, you can definitely get some value for him, especially when you see what the Rams and, and Lions just did. So I feel like there has to be there has to be a team that's like getting closer to negotiate negotiating for, for Watson, even though they're saying he's off limits. There, there's obviously going to be one offer that's going to be too sweet to pass up on. And it'll probably be like the biggest trade we've ever had, you know, like as far as like picks and money and all the, all that stuff goes, I think it'll be one of the biggest blockbusters and the Houston Texans will screw themselves over once again. But I feel like if you're the Texans, you kind of have to let him go and take your picks and hope you can draft something similar. But at this point, you're not going to be able to like, you're not going to get the most out of him. And, that would be even more devastating to him in his career as to just keep him and or just to let him sit on the sidelines while you're still getting smoked anyways. Like you went four and twelve with him last year. You might as well get rid of him. I I, I don't I mean, obviously building around him is gonna help, but you're you're four and twelve either way, yeah. going like as far as this season this upcoming season goes. So especially if he's not playing, well, what's one less loss? You know, I don't I don't understand what what the impact uh, trying to think of how to, how to phrase this, but the impact isn't so great. They can't get that much worse. They only won four games. So what if they win two games? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, I, I think, I think you're exactly right. And it's, I understand the argument that you always want Deshaun Watson on your team. Cause he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That being said, the Texans are, we've hit on it numerous times here. I don't want to, you know, belabor the point, but they're in such a bad situation in terms of, they don't have a very good roster. They don't have a lot of picks and they have like one of the worst cap situations in the NFL for a team. So I do think in this case, I'll, normally I would say you have to keep that, that type of quarterback on your roster, no matter what I think for the Texans, this is a perfect opportunity. I would, and I don't, maybe they're just, maybe this is all a decoy to try to drive the market up. Like, Hey, we're not going to trade them. You got to get guys to come with a really like big offer. But the Texans aren't that smart. That, yeah, that would be some next level thinking. They're they're definitely they're definitely a checkers type team. Uh, mm-hmm. we, got, we got some guys playing mm-hmm. chess in there. They they probably don't really even know. Like they definitely don't know how to uh, like like what's what's it called when you make it to the other side of the board and you like double it up so it has like superpowers and checkers. <laughs> they they they're, they're they don't not know how to double stack. They don't know how to double stack. They're they're not at that level for sure. <laughs> but if I'm the Texans, if you can get. I don't know, three first round picks, four first round picks and three first and a second, something like that. Take the picks, scrap the team, tank, rip it down. You, it'll give you a couple of years to get your cap right. You'll you'll be able to start getting some fresh young talent in there. That's the only way forward. I really don't want this to see. I honestly think this has the potential because the Texans are such a bad franchise and they're so inept. I think you this could be a Carson Palmer retirement situation when he just retired rather than continue playing with the Raiders and sat sat out a year because that would be Deshaun Watson's if he retired he'd be out a year and then he'd be a free agent and I don't I mean I think XFL Deshaun Watson can you imagine (laughs) 
Can you? Yeah. So I, I hopefully it doesn't get there, but yeah, the Texans are, I don't know. But speaking of quarterback messes, do you want to talk about Carson Wentz? Yes. And the Philadelphia um, Eagles. <laughs> yeah. So there, the Eagles have. <laughs> there's a great article, fantastic article. All you need to read is the headline to understand what this is about, and basically saying the Eagles are surprised that they're not getting more value than what they've been offered for Carson Wentz. And it's just like, seriously, Philly, what did you possibly expect after benching him in like week 14 and hemming and hawing about him and like Peterson, obviously throwing him under the bus, him throwing Peterson under the bus. Like it was just a shit show all year. And then they bench in the last couple of games of the season and and now they realize they have no value in, in getting wins because they're sitting on like a $24 million a year contract for a guy who's going to be sitting on the bench either way. Now that you know that Hurts is your guy. I mean, that's that's just perfect. Like, I, I'm honestly shocked that they won a Super Bowl. Like, was that only three years ago that happened? And that that blows my mind how recent that was for how dysfunctional they are at this current time. That was that has to be one of the mo- one of the most unlikely championships in like the big four sports in uh, in recent history, definitely because that franchise sure. is that that franchise is a disaster. And the whole the Carson Wentz situation to me, I look at it. If you're gonna sell your car, you know, it might be a good idea to get it washed, maybe detail it before you before you sell it, so you get the most value out of it. Not like right. you don't just take it mudding and then like spill a cherry slushy all over the inside and then go try to sell it just like that. And that's pretty and much what keep, they've done with Carson Wentz. So yeah. And then keep it parked in the sun. Yeah. In the Arizona sun for a good three weeks and let the paint peel off. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with this at, at this point. It's just, and, and the thing too, I, I, I know you really like Jalen hurts. I, I mean, I would just, if I'm Philly, I don't know. He looked okay, but are like are we really ready to just anoint him the the QB of the team? I I, I don't know. I, I think you can probably draft some guy like later in, in later rounds. Don't don't waste your first round pick on him. Go get another shitty receiver. Um <laughs> but I think I think Hertz is your most serviceable guy with, with the type of roster they've got right now. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens with Wentz and whether they can move him. I, there's there's going to be – I just get the feeling that there's going to be some massive dominoes to fall this offseason in the NFL, whether it's Miami and, you know, getting Watson, what's going to happen with the 49ers. Because, I mean, the 49ers, that's an interesting team to talk about, right? Um, they have – so they were absolutely decimated by injuries this past year. I mean, they had more injuries than any team that I can remember in, in recent history. And they're, they're kind of like the Rams for me where I feel like – they're kind of just missing a good quarterback. If they had a good quarterback, I'd be, I'd be kind of in on them. So, so the point I'm making, I feel like their windows open and they see what everyone else in that division has done. Do you feel like they're going to make a move there to bring someone in to replace Jimmy G? I think they should. I don't think they should go with Wentz for sure. If they can get rid of like everything they can possibly offer for Watson, I would say do it because like you said, that window is there. Their defense is still good. They they've got the best tight end in the league and they've got an incredible like running scheme that you can basically plug and play any any kind of running back into and he'll go off. So I like 
I like that idea. And um, speaking of like going for it next year, uh, I wanted to do a way too early to pick to win it all. If we're going to be like saying like, if we're going to be taking some shots in the dark, Miami is plus 3000. So if they land Watson, their odds immediately go up to like the one thousands or less maybe. Yeah. So if, if you're thinking that's where he's going to go, cause to me, that's where the, that, that trade makes most sense doing two uh, and first two first round picks and, and maybe some extra spare change in there to, to fill the deal, make it a little sweeter for them. But that makes them a contender pretty quickly. So if, if you think you can see the future, uh, Miami plus 3000, San Francisco is plus 1400 in their future too, to win it all, which that's still a pretty good, pretty good pick. Uh, they're like, like you said, they're one quarterback away and I don't think it's Wentz. If, uh, do you know what they're picking in the draft this year? One. Yeah. So it looks like the, the 49ers have the 12th pick in that, in the first round. So. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what they can do there. The Texans, we just we just confirmed it. Texans do not have a first round pick. The Eagles are picking sixth. So, I don't. I don't know, man. There's there's a lot of uh. You just there, there's so many different ways. It, this is one where it's hard from the outside looking in because you don't know, you don't know their evaluations of their players, how they feel about their roster and their current depth chart, and then also what they're kind of what they're scheming or what they're planning. So. I'm excited. I think this is going to be something where we have some big news throughout the off season. Um, have the Colts, the Colts have not signed a quarterback, right? Correct. Yeah. They do. They do not have anything in place yet. So they're, they're still front runners for kind of both of these guys at the moment. Cause that would be, I mean, if the Colts were to get, you were, were to get Deshaun Watson, let's say, I mean, I think that's like a dark horse Super Bowl team, especially for sure. They go right. from the, the low ceiling to unlimited ceiling to the, to the moon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll see what happens this off season. I think it's going to be uh, I think there's going to be a lot of big moves this year in the NFL. So that should be, that should be good for sure. Yeah. It's sad. Football has gone for now, but we'll still be being able to talk about all this crazy stuff going on. But um, so for that being, we're kind of going to be switching back over to, NBA, MLB, and a little bit of golf. We're going to talk some golf later in this episode. Uh, as far as uh, the MLB, I'm seeing reports that the season might get pushed back, like possibly a month, but I I'm having a hard time figuring out what problem this solves. Do, do you have any insight or input on this, time? No, I, I don't really see what – what the point is here i guess maybe you it gives them more time to get protocols in place for spring training but you know i i mean the nba is going through it right now listen i mean i think i think we're all taking taking the covid stuff seriously right we want these guys to be safe um but the reality is they're gonna play a season they need to play a season there's too much money at stake also let's just be real a lot of these players need to get paid you know some of these guys are not people tend to think of the the athletes that make 40 million dollars a year but that's only a couple of them there's a ton of dudes that have not yet made a big league salary and they're counting on that 500 g's this year you know so so the point i'm making is that there's a lot of incentive for these guys to play and and guys are going to come down with covid and you're going to have guys that are out because of contact tracing i think the sooner you just get into it and and attack it head on um 
probably the the better you'll be. And also too, like with baseball, I mean, you're outdoors, you're not standing next to anyone. It's, it's pretty much the best. It's the best sport from, from that standpoint. And this is a perfect opportunity for the MLB to even extend their rosters and make them a little bit bigger and give some guys who are kind of on the fringe of that 40 man roster a chance and you can stack up you can give some guys a chance that if if your starter goes down that day, you know, you can you can throw in one of your prospects and see how he does. And he can also be earning that money. And for I think it's honestly better for the owners if they do this because it also starts their clock. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know how like I, I guess I should say the other way around. Right. Better, better for the players. But yeah, no, sorry. I, I, no, I'm I'm with you there for sure. Uh yeah, we'll we'll see how they play it, but let's talk. Uh, so Trevor Bauer signs with the Dodgers. I don't think we that's happened since we. Yeah, had our last we haven't season. touched on that yet. No. What? Uh, I mean, the Dodgers get better. The Dodgers were already the best team in baseball. Now they're the yeah, I know the betterestest or best team in baseball. Yeah, kind of uh, depressing when when he goes to the best team already. You know, I wish he would have gone somewhere else that. Because now, I mean, their their playoff rotation is just stupid how good it is. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if San Diego can hang with them in the West. I mean, I think they I think they can, and I think they will. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a huge, you know, classic classic Dodgers, right? They've got maybe the maybe the most or second most money. They're probably the smartest organization. They, they do a great job with international signings. They're kind of the, the gold standard, and this is a good – a good low risk. I mean, really a low risk contract with, with three year deal player option for the third year. So even if Bauer, I know he's been kind of up and down throughout his career. People forget that he's had a couple of really good seasons. And then he's had a couple of seasons where he was pretty much average. So we'll yeah, see. He had, he had a ton of, he had a little bit of control issue when he first started, uh, would walk a lot of guys and throw a ton of pitches, but I think he's kind of changed up his style a little bit since then, too. He, he realizes he can attack batters and get much quicker outs, which he did that last year. But, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's still – there's – he did – yes, he's the Cy Young. He's currently the best pitcher according to the the awards that we give him. But, the, yeah, there's there's still that possibility that he could have a down year. Yeah, I mean, if we look two years ago, he had a – ERA in the fours, I believe, or as high, high. Yeah, I think I think it was four. I don't have in front of me, but um, so you know, it, uh, great signing. It's a good it's a good signing for the Dodgers. I think it's I think it's a good move, regardless of how you feel about Trevor Bauer. Um, I did, and we're gonna have him on the pod at, at some point. But we mentioned him before, our resident baseball insider, uh, guru of all things sabermetrics, Kenny Hatcher. He has a very interesting theory on Trevor Bauer that I feel like honestly might be might be spot on so he said um that he thinks that last year the whole thing where trevor bauer and i don't don't know if you remember this t willie but he had a start where basically prior to the start he told reporters and media or after the start he said yeah go go check my spin rates from the first inning like wonder how i was able to do that that's crazy like weird how i was able to jack my spin rate up 400 rpms higher in one inning uh so, so Kenny's, Kenny's theory was basically that he's going to, that he, you know, cheated using like the, the pine tar, the rosin, the bullfrog, the sunscreen, whatever, like everyone else is doing, documented it, recorded it, said it to the media, proved it. And MLB still didn't do anything. So he thinks he's just like going to release this all at one point is just a big kind of 
F you to MLB. Like you, I literally told you I was cheating and you didn't do anything about it, which honestly seems like that seems like it's right up Trevor Bauer's alley to do. Oh, for sure. He'd be, he'd be so happy to rub this in their faces. Just be like, I told you I cheated. Yeah. And you still didn't did nothing. Exactly. Exactly. Which I was talking about that with Kenny. I just feel like the whole foreign substance thing, they just need to make it. The only thing that matters is that it's a level playing field. So they've all foreign substance has been illegal, but not really where, I mean, most pitchers are using it. So I I think they should just let the guys use it. Or if you're going to say it's illegal, you need to enforce it and not let these guys. I mean, how many T Willie, how many times do you watch a game and after every single pitch, the dude is touching the back of his hat. He's touching his wrist, right? He's touching the side of his glove. It's like they don't even right. try to. It's like, adjusting, oh, that's weird. Adjusting his belt or right. fixing his shoes right. or. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's, there's never, a million places you can hide pine tar on as a former pitcher. Like, I didn't do this very often, but I knew when I needed a little boost, I would definitely put one of those little gobs of pine tar on in between the fingers of my glove. So self-acclaimed. I'm admitting it now. I don't think they can come after me anymore. I didn't really win any awards or anything. So <laughs> um, I, I am admitting it now that I did use. I, did I bet use that feels good to get that off your chest. Yeah, I've, I've been carrying that around for a long time. So yeah. good, good, to, good to finally admit. Good, good for you, man. Good for you. That's that's awesome. <laughs> Do you remember the Michael Pineda on his neck? He just had a fat bob <laughs> on his freaking neck and it was glistening. Do you remember that? And it was on, I think it was yes. on like sunday night baseball too is like a nationally televised game <laughs> yeah they they were zooming into like a foot on him and you're yeah. like dude maybe not tonight what are we doing man but yeah so that's you know again yeah. a big uh so a big domino falls there in the baseball offseason we've got teams continuing to load up the nl west is going to be an absolute freaking arms race between the dodgers uh and the padres so i'm, I'm excited to see that uh yeah, things things are looking up for baseball. I'm trying to think if there's any other big baseball news that we've that we've missed. Oh, go ahead, T. Willie, walk us through there. There was an announcement today about some of the rules that they're going to be using in in uh, 2021. Correct. So yeah, they've they've announced that 10 teams are now going to be using a humidor for their ball, which reduces the flight. With for those of you who aren't sure what that means, that reduces the flight of the ball and restricts it from traveling um in a in a more dry climate so they're trying to make i think this their this is their whole deal is they're trying to make this a quote-unquote more even playing field but to me this does absolutely nothing like if i don't i don't understand what this possibly does other than piss off some players who who would have formerly had a home run are now not hitting it out and you're getting a more a, a more duller version of the game now it 10 teams are going to be using the humidor. That seems like a lot. It is. It is a lot. And I don't know if like, does global warming now like invoke that there's more teams that are able to use a humidor or were were these teams just not doing it before and the ball was just flying. I don't, I don't really understand why, why this was the rule that they decided to go with. And then they also said double headers are going to be, uh, seven innings on the next one. And then if it goes into extras, you're starting with a runner on second, like the old, like California style little league, like, like overtime, which to me is terrible. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like putting a runner on second, uh, so, to, to start the next inning. So I'm going to defer to 
Kenny Hatcher, resident baseball expert again, because we talked about this last year. So I believe he referenced some uh, like statistical analysis that did that they did. Starting the runner on second has absolutely no impact on increasing the um, like the speed of how quickly you finish it because immediately it's like a pressure situation where there's going to be tons of pickoffs. They're holding runners. There's mound visits. There's like the pace slows down. Two, also both teams get to start with the guy on second. So they both have an equal, like they still have the same odds of scoring as they would if no one was on, right. no one was on base. So it's it's kind of one of those things where it sounds good, like in theory, like, oh, okay, this will like give someone a better chance to score and the, the game will be over quicker. Um, but I don't think, and, and we'll see, I'll, I'll follow up with Kenny on this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the verdict was, that it essentially did nothing. And I think they may have even found in, in, in some cases it made it, it, it tended to make it even a little bit slower. So I don't really think that's a good, I don't, I guess I don't have a huge problem with it. It's just kind of weird, but I don't think it really helps with anything. And this is going to be, so I'm going to put my commissioner hat. You guys know me as crazy rules guy. I'm all about changing the rules all the time. This is going to seem a little bit crazy. T Willie, what are your thoughts? I really think, and I know just, don't don't recoil from the initial idea. I really think that in the regular season for Major League Baseball, there should be ties. I think you should play a max of 10 innings and then the game should just end in a tie. You have ties in football. They have ties in hockey. It happens. You have 162 games. So you'd have the odds that it's going to come down to ending in the exact same record is pretty low. And that happens all the time anyways. And you just play a playoff. And you're saving bunch of arms too for the for rest sure of the series. for sure i mean nobody wants to watch milwaukee and texas go 16 innings in like late july that, <laughs> right i'm right i mean that yeah just, i mean we, we yeah that is like it is an eyebrow razor when you first say it you're like wait ties and yeah. then then you're kind of like okay i mean that that does make sense like you yeah, anything after the 11th inning is just – it feels like a waste of time. All they're trying the to do regular is go yard. In the regular season, right? Obviously, you still get extra inning baseball in the postseason. But, right. But I really think in the regular season, it doesn't – it wouldn't change anything if you had t- had ties. Yeah. It, it, Even, would just, it would just make there be a lot less ridiculously long games that no one watches anyways. And it would also probably help split up that tiebreaker at the end of the year, you know, when it comes down to two or three teams, the ties are going to factor into it. So even a tie is a good, a good play for a team who's struggling or not, not able to like, who's got a long road stretch, who hasn't won a series in a long time. If you can get away with two ties or like to try to turn it back around, that might actually help a team who's, who's trying to get back into the playoff mix. So I, I kind of like that idea. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, to me, that's the much easier solution than trying to do like the, the California tiebreaker rule. Uh, and yeah. then how do how do you feel about the back end of double headers being seven innings long? Do we like that? Um, Kind of, I, I'd prefer it just to be two nine inning games. I don't, I, I don't know, but I, I guess for the player from a player's perspective i think they that's probably what they want to have and again it does come down to like being able to conserve your arms and and save your save your rotation for to fight another day and those extra two innings on the bullpen 
are a big deal, especially when it's the same day, you know, like you, yeah. you're not going to be able to, you're, you, it is a good spot, especially for, for starting pitchers to try to run and go out for the entire, for the entire seven and try to try to save the pen. So it, it does play a little bit more into strategy and gives a little bit more, more, uh, more strategy to the managerial position of baseball. So I, I see the pros and the cons, but, I, I would prefer there just to be nine. Yeah. I don't know that I have a big problem with it. I mean, if they want to have the back end of a doubleheader be seven innings, that that's fine. I, I don't know. Again, I just think that. And what if we have the rule where they're, where you're just putting a guy on second for three straight innings and they just keep going back and forth and you're like, okay, this was a waste of. Right. Right. No, for sure. That, that would be, that'd be a nightmare, nightmare scenario. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, hopefully <clears throat> I just hope they can get this season off without a hitch, uh, because I, I am excited about some of the rosters and some of the, some of the races we're going to see. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. So you're saying they might push spring training back a month. So that would put us starting the, you know, starting the season, the end of April, end of April, I guess, beginning of May. Right. Cause yeah, most likely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The other thing with that too, is you're going to get, end up with having even more like really cold weather games in the postseason If you get some cold weather cities, which I've always thought that really sucks for baseball when it's super cold because baseball is a warm weather sport. I mean, yeah. Massive advantage for the pitcher for sure. Yes, definitely. I mean, I hate, I hate watching, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I want to see it, it sucks when you watch playoff baseball and they're playing in like Cleveland and it's like, you know 17 degrees right right for sure you know especially where you have so many of the i mean 40 percent of major league baseball are from like the caribbean so it's it's like just a total (laughs) total shock for them you see the dudes with the i love when you get the latin players with like the full you can just tell they're just like dude what is going like the the eskimo style hoodie thing going yeah yeah definitely and i'm this, this is a good part for me to maybe come clean on the confessions. You had a little confessional earlier. I was definitely that guy in college. Uh, if it was cold, I'd get to the I'd get to the clubhouse and check the lineup. And I was just praying that I wasn't in the lineup because I hated playing in the cold. <laughs> and I wanted to be on the bench with my beanie and my jacket. And I'd go and I'd see I wasn't playing and I'd just give it a nice little... Nice little fist pump, throw on my three layers of compressions and yeah, make sure coach make sure coach isn't watching when you walk up to it and just yeah. strut off like yes. <laughs> Left bench for Garrido today. All right. Perfect. So that's funny. Yeah, but yeah, we'll we'll see. You got anything All else? All right. On the, so on the I think that should wrap it up for today's episode. Do you have anything else you wanted to mention before we get I, back in before we I, uh swing back at the end of the week? I just want to mention that the Nets lost to the Pistons today. Uh, if you've been paying attention, the Nets are pretty much just doing exactly what we said and thought they were going to be doing. Uh, they're giving up a million points uh, and not winning a lot of basketball games. So, yeah, so last little thing here. If you've been paying attention, the Nets are pretty much doing – exactly what we thought we would uh i just want to take this moment to let everyone know that the nets lost to the detroit pistons tonight and they are now 14 and 12 in their team in the league yep yep in their last uh 
uh, yeah, the Pistons are six and 18, literally, literally the worst, worst team. So shout out nets. Very nicely done. Gave up 122 points to a team that can't score at all. Uh, but you know, I'm not here to say, I told you so, but we told you so also the, uh, you know, the nets are five and five over their last 10. Uh, and they're pretty much just giving up a million points to everyone. And yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I would, what you we've seen the nets together for a little bit now. Where are you at with them T? Well, do you still think that they're, that they're the team to beat in the, uh, in the East? Not really. No. I think it's going to go back to if the Bucks can hang on. And I don't see a lot of, I mean, I feel like the Bucks don't play well against uh, like really good teams, Yep. but again, they beat Denver last night and they're, they're that team that's just sneaky good and you don't really expect them. You don't watch a ton of their regular season games. So it's really hard to get a good like evaluation on them. Obviously we know Giannis is, unbelievable and he can get anywhere on the court within two steps so he doesn't really have to dribble the ball which very nice advantage for him but as far as the nets no i don't i don't think they're going to be able to play any defense in a in a series of seven unless they basically have to pray that the other team just does not shoot for three straight games and then they can maybe outplay them for one or two of them but that that's a tough ask when you're when you're talking about a series of of actual basketball teams who have structure and know how to like move the ball and play the game. Cause they're going to keep getting themselves open. If, if you're going up against Brooklyn, those, those shots keep coming for you. And eventually you're going to start hitting. There's you're not going to go cold for three straight nights. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I didn't, I, I was on record before the season saying that I wasn't a believer in the nets. I was on record after they traded for Harden saying I was not a believer in the Nets. Let me take this chance to say again that there's no chance in hell that the Nets are going to win the East. Uh, I don't think you've been watching if you if you think that. Um, I will say that I do think we're going to see them figure it out. I think they're going to play a lot better. I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're a 500 team, obviously. Uh, they've got some some gelling to do, and those guys have only been, been together for about, about a month now. So – I do think they're going to get a lot better. I just think ultimately it's going to be a massive flaw with a bunch of guys that don't play defense. And I think you've got serious, serious issues in that, in that, uh, in that locker room that, that we're going to continue to have. So the NBA is going to be interesting to follow. Obviously we're going to get more into that uh, as we go. Um, did we want to touch on the uh, waste management open real quick too, before we, before we close too well? I did, yeah. We were we were talking about that before we recorded. I kind of forgot, but um, yeah, I thought it was very strange how they didn't really realize Brooks Kepka was about to win that thing until he chipped in that eagle on seventeen. They didn't give him a lot of coverage all day long, and they were trying to make it like the Shoffley versus Spieth show, and they both kind of laid eggs on Sunday. I mean, Spieth just statistically was the worst driver in the entire tournament, his, his fairways were like 42%, which if, if you know anything about pro golf, that is terrible. Um, that's about what I have. So most, that's not good. Exactly. He had like the most strokes gained, um, on his second shot, which means he was just basically hitting incredible iron shots. But when you see something like that, when you see most strokes gained on their second shot, 
you know that they're basically just preying on luck for yep. and it, it happened in one round you know we, we talked about it earlier it's a roller coaster he's up yep. he's down he's got these crazy putts that he's got to try to make for birdie and par and yes granted he's a very good golfer so he makes some of them still but ultimately i i, I wish i could say spieth was back and i'm not that i'm a huge fan of him or anything but I it's it's definitely good for the sport to have a minute because you're just getting that many more fans, the Texans coming out, you know, saying that they love golf and they wanna they wanna see their boy just uh Jordan Spieth win it. Um but overall I think he's he's still got a ways to go before he's quote unquote back. What'd you think about it? Yeah, I mean for Spieth, he doesn't hit it long and he doesn't hit it straight with the driver. So I mean, there's not many guys on tour that aren't long or aren't straight, right? I mean, almost all the guys that aren't long are, are really straight. So I think that's a big issue. And I don't think this is – people keep saying that it's kind of like a mental thing and he's in a funk, but I, I think he's got serious issues. That streak he had on in hindsight that he that he had when he, when he won all those majors in hindsight was kind of crazy. And honestly – one of the luckier things that we've seen, I'm, I'm take nothing away from Spieth. I, I like Spieth. I, I, he seems like a cool guy. I, th- I think, like you said, it's better when he's, when he's in it, he's a huge, he's a huge name for the sport, but he makes these, like you said it, he has to hit these crazy shots, second shot. And then he's, he's relying on making 25 foot putts. And that's just not, I mean, he might be a better long-range putter than almost anyone else when he has it going. But even then, that's a that's a tough. Uh, you're not you're not going to give yourself a lot of chances to win, right? You're going to have to get all the right breaks, be, execute flawlessly for that. I did think it was weird that they weren't really showing Kepka too much. I don't think they, I think they just didn't think he was in contention. I think everyone thought that uh, you know either Xander or Spieth was gonna. It was kind of one of those things where like James Hahn popped up and then people kept getting to the top of the leaderboard and then it'd be like, ah, I don't want it. And, and Brooks, and Brooks just wanna... slowly, slowly climbed his yep. way up there on the back, back nine. So I was thinking about this earlier today and I don't, I might just be a hater, but what I feel like I don't really like Brooks Kepka, Brooks Kepka, but I feel like a lot of people really like him. What, where do you stand oh, on the, on the Brooks train? I love Brooks Kepka. He's probably my favorite golfer. So tell, tell me about it. Why, why do you like him so much? Uh, I don't know if I can, if I named one thing, he's just a guy's guy. Like he, he, he's been um, quoted multiple times saying like after tournaments, he's just trying to hit the guys up and go out and drink some, some ultras and, and have a good time. And he's also been quoted saying that like, he'll, he, he kind of like wishes that golf was a little bit shorter, you know, like a 14 hole so he can get in and out of there and not have to practice so much. And, make it so he doesn't have to walk as far um just just guy stuff you know just just being a dude and i think he makes the game look so effortless and yeah. to me it looks like he's another an athlete from a different sport that just suddenly picked up a club and is able to just hit it perfectly wherever he wants to and that's i think that's what draws me towards him cuz he can just absolutely hammer drives and yeah. he doesn't have the same kind of type of setup as most other golfers do he's much more athletic and he's like way wider in his stance and he just kind of gets up there and like hockey powers it right up yeah. the middle yeah no he's he uh i mean he's a tremendous golfer i guess for me the thing that i don't like about him is i feel like he uh like he had that one quote where he was do you remember when he said uh 
you know, when you watch me play golf on TV, that's when I play golf. Like basically saying he doesn't yeah. really play too much. Like there's no way that's true. Like I think dude, I think he takes it seriously than he like plays on that he does. I feel like he tries to act like he doesn't practice and like, oh, I don't really care. But like he definitely practices super hard and he definitely cares a ton. Right. For sure. I mean, yeah, there was there was a quote recently injuries as of late. And he was also quoted saying, like, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to come back and be back. And if he truly didn't care, I don't think he would have even mentioned that. And yeah. he would have probably gone gone away by the wayside and been like, ah, it's not it wasn't a big deal to me. It, it, we would have really known for sure that it wasn't a big deal to him if he decided to, like, take a year off after after all of his injuries or just be like, hey, I think I'm going to go do something else or something like that. Yeah. But, he obviously came back and he made a statement this weekend. So I'm, I'm hoping that he's back because he's my favorite guy to watch for sure. It's better when in it, it golf is better when he's uh, really good and in content in contention and challenging. So, and this should be interesting too, for uh, it seems like he's maybe rounding in form. We've got masters coming up in T minus about seven weeks, I believe eight weeks. So we're, we're getting there. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the golf season kind of picking up, picking up steam as we go here. For sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to throw out uh, at the, this weekend, our, our uh, best picks for like a top 10 finish. So that way you can, you can ride with the boys on those and hopefully win yourself some money as well. So you got anything else for this episode? I think that's it. T Willie. All right, guys, make sure you tell a friend as soon as you start talking sports, ask them what their favorite podcast is. And then you obviously take their phone, subscribe them, download all of our episodes and get them listening to Rally Caps on too. So now you guys have more to talk about. All right. Thank you guys. Boom.